Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the clubhouse. This is episode 62. I'm your host. Well, let me back it up. It is the Jim Langer, Scott Pollard episode. Tough to find some famous 62s, but uh, they're still there. Jim Langer's actually in the Hall of Fame. Scott Pollard, not a great NBA player only three seasons. Just some slim pickings. Yeah. It's not, I mean, yeah. Jim Langer's good, though. Don't worry. Yeah. But uh, I'm your host, Tease Butler, like I was saying. Sitting next to me, the voice you just heard, Big Dill. Dill, how are you? Yep, that's me. How are you doing, guys? I uh, hope everyone's ready for a great pod. We have a great one coming for you. And uh, I think Doge could be next. You want to say hey to the fans, Doge? Go ahead and say hey. Certainly. I love, love to be on here with the pod boys. And, uh, excited that you guys are sitting down and tuning in, listening to the clubhouse. Got a special guest for you. I'm looking forward to, to sharing it with you guys. We've actually uh, we've got two special guests on this show. Uh, yeah. We've got uh, we got invited to do a call with Commissioner Don Garber, um, and we were actually applying for credentials to be reporters at the MLS uh, MLS's back tournament. Um, it's going to be limited reporters, so we're not sure the like the chances of that, but we're at least applying. Why not? Uh, if we get to go, we'll be your main source for MLS content. And uh, after that, after you get to listen to the commissioner join in, um, we're going to be joined by Laurel Thaler, uh, big-time FCC uh, follower, reporter. She's a freelancer. She's got some great info for us. And then we play a little wheel of debate with her at the end um, for a little fun. But first thing we got to do, as always, you know it, you love it. It's the warm-ups, baby. So, Doge, first things first, warm it up, baby. What do you got? We have some live sports, some new live sports, gentlemen. Golf is back in full swing, pun intended there. It's Charles Schwab Challenge uh, coming in. We've got American golfer Harold Varner, the third. He's got okay. the lead after the first couple of days. So we'll see what the weekend holds, but uh, he shot a 7-under 63 and a 4-under 66 to, to be at the lead at 11-under going into the weekend. So... He's another younger American golfer, so that would be his first uh, PGA Tour win. He only has one other professional win on his record, so we'd love to see him continue to play well this weekend. No doubt. Um, I'll go next here. Uh, during an interview with Dan Levitard, Dana White um, kind of got in a little bit of a heated argument about paying his fighters, and Dana White... Uh, or excuse me, Dan Levitard actually challenged Dana White to a fight for charity. Dana White is going to put up $250,000 for charity. I'm not sure which charity. Uh, I think Dan Levitard gets to choose it. Um, and they're going to fight in an octagon somewhere. I'm really excited to see if this is really going to happen. Dan Levitard, I think, is still waiting to respond. Um, but I just want to know who you guys are going to pick in this fight because I know exactly who I'm going to pick, no doubt. Um, would be Dana White, um, but just a little extra, a little sauce there for you. Dan Cormier, um, one of the best fighters of all time in the UFC, is going to be in the corner. He's cornering for Dana White, so he's going to be his coach. And Jorge Masvidal, um, current holder of, I believe, the BMF title, um, will be cornering Dan Levitard uh, as he goes on his show, uh, or since he goes on his show all the time. So uh, really interesting since you got some fighters in it as well. But, uh, Doge, who do you think uh, would come out on top in this fight? I mean, I, to me, it's a no-brainer. Dude, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if, if this actually happens, which I hope to God it does. Me too, man. I, mean, I hope so. Dana White's putting him to the ground. 
He's just smoking. He's going to smoke him. It's just, not even going to be close. I'm like, Dana White is like, I know he, um, you know, sometimes is a little bigger than he normally is, but right now he looks like he's in pretty good shape. And Dan Levitar does not. So, you know, maybe they'll get some time to train, but if I'm going to, I'll take the guy who I know can train, Dana White. Um, Dill, what do you think about Dana versus Dan? Battle of the, the Danes. Um, Close. Some, something like that. So, anyway, <laughs> I think that if they legit have a one-on-one, you know, combat-style fight here, there's no way you, you can't go with Dana White. He runs exactly. the UFC. Exactly. I mean, literally, he could be like, hey, you four, five, six, however many guys he picks, he can be like, just train me for a week, you know? Train me for a couple days. I'm Dana White. I'm your boy. I put you on the next fight card that you want to get on. Right, he's already, got, he's, he's already got Cormier training him. Masvidal is training Levitard. But I'm sure he can call in anybody he wants. Besides right. probably John Jones since they're beefing a little bit. But, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, is there drug testing? You know, any sort of... <laughs> That's a, hopefully not, dude. Just let him juice up. That'd be sweet. Yeah. you just come in dude, like 30 times I think Dana White, if it's for charity, he toys with him for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He lets Levitard... It's not... You know, yeah. Throw some swings in there. He's not taking him out early, but I think Dana White, if he wants to end it, he'll take it to the ground and it'll be over. We'll grab like, yeah, there. Maybe Levitard might be a little heavier, but Dana White will just give him a little tap, tap, tap. You're choked out. Mm-hmm. I think for charity, he'll let a box out a little bit, take some shots to the dome, hopefully. Um, and I'm sure Dan's gonna be getting plenty. Um, so, Dill, we'll pass it to you for your warm up here. What do you got? So keeping it in the UFC realm. Fight Island is a thing, and it's a real thing, and it's actually happening. Yeah. For UFC 251, mm-hmm. okay, it's going to be held on July 11th, but they're also going to have some other events uh, for it looks like the next couple weeks after that. So um, it's actually on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. Yas. It's a man-made island, and it's not just some, you know, random island or something to, to choose from. It's actually, uh, it has an airport, it has hotels, it has three theme parks and a fourth that's being built. So this is a legit... You know, it has a Ferrari theme park. Well, I wouldn't doubt it, especially in Abu Dhabi. So. Yeah, Ferrari parks. Um, I know that. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> with that, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do to set up as far as, like, you know, a fight on the beach... Are they actually going to be in the sand? There's somehow? no way. There's no way. I don't think they're going to be in the sand. But you know, if they're st- if they're like on so the beach crazy. though, and you can tell like the setting that they're on the beach, I think it's going to be really cool. And yeah. um, I'm looking, you know, just looking forward to it, especially because I know that we brought up UFC in the past here. Yeah. As far as getting more into it, placing some some bets. Hey, we got worked in, in the last round. We, we don't need to talk about that. But and Nunez, she, she won, but we got worked in a lot of those bets. <laughs> So, Not on hers though. We want someone else. Though. This is uh this is gonna be pretty cool, and um you know it's it's got a lot of training facilities as far as all the individual fighters having their their kind of own facility. Um, a ten mile radius, right? I think uh, I it's, said. A, it's almost a ten squile uh squile mile. Putting them all a together. Squile mile. So ten square miles. Um. <laughs> so you know we'll see we'll see. Haven't sure. been there myself, so I couldn't tell you. From uh, personal experience, what it's like, but certainly not a frequent Abu Dhabi, or, you know. But I don't get that much. Correct, Doge. How about you? No, okay. never been. 
It's going to take a little bit to get there. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of cheddar for sure. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's move on here to our first half here, like I said uh, earlier, with Commissioner Don Garber, um, as we were joined and invited to join the MLS media Zoom call about returning and the presentation of the MLS's back tournament. So really, really good content here. Um, we're really uh, pleased to be invited to join this call. So check out this audio here with Don Garber. We uh, postponed play and then worked for the last couple of months to, uh, to put together uh, a plan, uh, one that would assure the health and safety of our players and one that would deliver uh, exciting uh, content on the field uh, for our fans, for our partners, and, uh, and ultimately uh, get our sport and get our league back doing what we do best, which is to play soccer. Uh, we will begin on July 8th, as you all have already heard, with a tournament that's going to feature all of our teams at one site. That's the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World in Florida. And as you know from our last conversations, uh, this is a project that uh, literally took uh, nearly three months uh, to pull together and the culmination of efforts from everyone throughout the league office, throughout clubs, our great partners at Disney and ESPN, uh, and in conjunction with uh, a number of infectious disease consultants and our own uh, chief medical officers, both at the league uh, and at our respective clubs. You know, we selected Orlando because we wanted a neutral site where we could bring all 26 of our teams together to do it in a format that we thought would be compelling. Uh, and to partner with a company that has uh, best-in-class operational excellence, something that they teach classes on and one uh, that uh, really has us feeling that there is no better company uh, to provide us with the certainty of being able to manage all of the operational needs of putting what is nearly 2,000 people uh, into uh, one environment for uh, what will be from four to five weeks. Uh, all of our clubs have been returning to individual team training. Only a handful of them have been able to conduct full team training. Uh, the fact that we don't now have that we don't have any real certainty uh, as to when we can get our teams into full team training. Some of them will arrive uh, at the Disney Complex early, uh, as early as June 24th, and begin training and getting prepared uh, for the first games on on July 8th. Uh, I wanted to really thank uh, all of our players and the MLSPA and their leadership uh, for working with us uh, through what was a, a difficult uh, negotiation. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Brad Connor and Marco Batuki and our doctors that worked on our, uh, our uh, protocol plans. And I really want to thank Josh DeMauro, who runs the Disney Parks, and Roz Durant, who uh, oversees uh, the Wide World of Sports Complex. And I want to really particularly thank Jimmy Pitaro, uh, who oversees ESPN, for his belief in this project from the very beginning. You know, I also want to take a moment to recognize uh, what uh, has been overshadowing this uh, entire uh, return to play uh, plan, which has been uh, all of us uh, uh, managing through uh, and recognizing and confronting the issues that have arisen out of uh, the death of George Floyd uh, and bringing to light all of the racial injustice, the inequality, the violence against black men and women uh, that have existed in our country uh, for way too long. 
as I stated during the last call that we have, uh, it, it's not just enough to post uh, social media posts and it's not just enough to have ad campaigns. Uh, we now need to begin the really important task of, uh, for us, bringing together the entire MLS community, our clubs, our owners, our players, uh, our partners, uh, to address these issues and to try to create programs uh, that can lead to meaningful change. Uh, it starts with dialogue and that dialogue has begun, uh, but now it has to turn into a real commitment to action, including our league and our clubs uh, supporting financially those organizations that can make a difference uh, to address these systemic issues in our world. And clearly uh, to take our lead in trying to address these issues that exist in the sport of soccer, both on the field and off the field, in our offices, uh, within the youth uh, and amateur movement, I think we have a real um, ability uh, to take a leadership uh, in, uh, in creating programs that can address these challenges and problems uh, and inequalities that exist in our sport. I think all of you have seen in the press release the details of the, of the tournament. Our clubs, as I mentioned, some will arrive on June 24th. Those clubs will begin training. Those that can train at home uh, will stay home, but they need to arrive in uh, Orlando a week before the tournament starts. We came up with this concept of a 54-match uh, tournament, similar to the very successful World Cup here in 1994, where 24, only 24 nations competed. And as you all know, that was the last time there was only a 24-nation tournament. Each team will have a minimum of three games in the group phase or the group stage. Those results will count for the 2020 MLS regular season standings, and then that will continue when we're able to continue our season when we're back in our home markets. The group stage will be followed by a knockout round that will culminate in the championship round that will take place on uh, August 11th. The tournament will include a prize pool of $1.1 million, and that will be uh, allocated to teams uh, and technical staff that win as they go through the tournament. And very importantly, something that was just finalized this morning with the support of CONCACAF and U.S. Soccer and the Canadian Soccer Association, the winner of the tournament will earn a spot in the 2021 Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. Tomorrow, we're going to have a live draw that will decide the six groups, and that'll take place at 3.30 Eastern and will be aired on MLSsoccer.com, on YouTube, YouTube, and all the various league and team social media channels. Uh, I know that there will be some questions on medical protocol, so just a couple of notable points to start. Uh, as I mentioned, that from the very beginning, we put together a team of infectious disease doctors and consultants that work with us and our various chief medical officers to ensure we have the right protocols in place to manage it within uh, the environment of a neutral site to begin sourcing uh, testing, uh, both testing for PCR and for serology, ensuring that we have the least uh, impact on any tests uh, that were going to be available for the general public. You should know that there will be uh, a donation of serology tests that will uh, provide for free to residents in Central Florida. Quick note for the media, and I think Dan can give you more details on that. Uh, we are creating a policy for some journalists to attend uh, the event. Uh, they'll give you details uh, about how to secure 
credentials, and I hope that some of you will be able uh, to join us or to that. Uh, more on that will come in the days and week ahead. As it relates to fan engagement in television, uh, we very much knew from the very beginning that producing games in an environment outside of our stadiums and without fans would be challenging. Challenge operationally, but certainly a challenge from a productive production perspective. We will invest deeply in uh, creating uh, a, an environment on, on air that will be exciting and compelling uh, for all of our viewers. We'll see new technologies being used from an audio perspective, from a camera perspective, with new angles, with new types of cameras being used, all sorts of technological uh, innovations that might uh, be uh, technologies that we'll be able to utilize uh, in the future. Uh, every game will be televised across our three national partners and will be distributed via a world feed for our international uh, partners. And as you could uh, imagine, as you've seen very successfully uh, in other leagues and, and other events that have been taking place uh, within a virtual environment, uh, we will work to integrate our fans into these broadcasts, those details and, and production uh, uh, projects are just uh, in their final stages. We're not yet ready to announce those, but I know that you can be assured that we will have an environment that will bring our fans and our supporters uh, close uh, to these matches. Uh, the future, uh, obviously uh, we're going to be in a new normal, if not a next normal for what uh, uh, it will look like when we return to our stadiums from a medical perspective. Obviously, the project here in Orlando is, is incredibly ambitious. Uh, we will have the same level of focus on testing and ensuring the safety of our players and staff once we do uh, return uh, to market. All those medical protocols are being worked on both locally and nationally. Uh, we do not have yet uh, exposure as to what the future for the MLS schedule will look like uh, in 2020 and how many markets will have fans uh, if any, but I can assure you that uh, we're working closely with our clubs and our clubs are working closely with local uh, state and, uh, and medical authorities to ensure when we do return, we're doing it in accordance with, in accordance with local guidelines. Uh, with that, I appreciate everybody coming together and I'm here to answer any questions. All right. For our journalists, once again, a, a reminder, you can raise your hand to be put into the queue. The first uh, seven journalists will go as follows. Uh, we will have Stephen Goff of the Washington Post with the first question, followed by Jeff Carlisle with ESPN.com, Drake Hills with the Tennessean and USA Today Sports Network, Doug McIntyre with Yahoo, Ian Thomas with Front Office Sports, Jabari Young with CNBC, and Arch Bell. Uh, and then we'll continue with uh, the questions. So we're going to open up for Steve Goff of the Washington Post. Steve? Hey, Don. How are you? Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Steve. Uh, what is, you know, you mentioned the, the future beyond this tournament, and it was in the press release also that you actually have some parameters starting to come together for what things look like down the road. What is, you, you touched on this a bit last week, but where, we, where do you stand right now on your level of optimism that something in some fashion will come together for you to resume? Uh, in market games um, this calendar year? Uh, I'm very optimistic, uh, uh, Stephen. I, I expect that we will be back in our stadiums. We just don't know the exact date. Obviously, this is all unfolding uh, in real time, and uh, literally every day 
uh, more and more markets are opening. And what I find interesting is they're the markets that you expect uh, to open up later uh, uh, in uh, on a, on the curve or, or in timetable. Uh, so I do believe we'll get back to our markets. I think all of our fans should expect that to happen. When that will happen is still uh, um, uncertain. Uh, and whether or not we'll have any markets with fans is also uh, uncertain. But we're, we're also uh, hearing about uh, uh, different uh, guidelines that have been established uh, state by state where there's even a possibility that some fans uh, might be able to attend games. So continuing, we've got Jeff Carlisle with uh, ESPN.com. Hi, Don. How are you? Good, Jeff. Thank you. Um, with regard to the testing protocols, it, it, I read in the release that there are going to be temperature screenings and standardized screening questionnaires for everyone that's working at the, the wide world of sports complex as well as the hotels. Um, how concerned are you about that being a possible avenue of transmission in terms of COVID-19 for the players and staff? And, and why aren't you testing the those individuals who are going to come in contact either at the hotel or at the complex? Well, again, Jeff, I think the key point there is those uh, staff people will not be coming in close contact with our players. Uh, and if they were going to be in close contact, then uh, we would manage it through a different protocol. Uh, so we're all going to be living in a world where uh, we, we're not going to be able to test every uh, person that comes in contact with each other or comes in contact uh, with uh, uh, us as we go on with our, uh, with our lives. Uh, we do need to manage social distancing. We will have that in place. We will need to uh, manage uh, uh, face masks and other PPE uh, for anybody that is involved in, in this project. Uh, we will have sanita sanitizing uh, and, and other uh, things like temperature checks and, and the like for uh, those that are involved in, in uh, the, the hotels and, and involved in housekeeping and the like. Uh, but those are those are not our employees, uh, and uh, we're confident, uh, having gone through this protocol, both with our own infectious disease doctor, but also in sharing that with the MLSPA's infectious disease advisor, but also with the state authorities, Jeff. So uh, this is a protocol that uh, we're confident uh, about, uh, and uh, we will uh, uh, manage uh, uh, with with real discipline. Thank you, Jeff. Our next question will go to Drake Hills with the Tennessean and USA Today Sports Network. Drake. Thanks, Commissioner. There was a bit of a reorganization when it comes to where teams are, where their conferences are, obviously with Nashville SC going to the Eastern Conference. What was the, the thought behind that? What was the process in making that move for the tournament, but also for the possible return into MLS markets in the fall? And can this be a move that is permanent for 2021 and beyond? Well, you know, it's too premature to talk about the permanency of it. It certainly made sense for the tournament. We needed to balance it out. And the logical move was with Nashville. But as you know, we've spoken about this. You know, we are an expanding league and, and we're having teams come in to different regions of the country. And there will be realignment at some point in our league as we continue uh, to look at uh, expansion through 30 teams. But uh, the decision for now is, is simply about how we're going to manage it in the tournament. All right. Thank you, Drake. We will throw it over to Ian Thomas with Front Office Sports, if we could unmute Ian's line. Ian, are you there? Uh, yes, Dan. Thanks. Uh, Perfect. Thank you. 
Adon, I know you've previously made some comments regarding the revenue shortfall the league is going to face without games at home markets, game day revenue. What sort of things, if any, is the league preparing to do in Orlando to potentially open up some new revenue lines or, or try some new things to generate some incoming dollars? Well, you know, the, the first focus is to retain some of the revenue that uh, we have uh, planned for in our agreements with sponsors and broadcasters and being able to have a tournament like this that has as many games as it will have, as many as three a day, will allow us to fulfill our uh, some of our obligations to our uh, media partners and sponsors, both nationally and locally. And that's that's important. You know, our clubs, as, as you all, everybody on the call knows, our clubs are reliant on game day revenue. And without fans uh, and the normalcy of how we operate our business, it's uh, incredibly difficult. Uh, in addition, we have national revenue uh, that has been uh, uh, really challenged without being able to deliver for our national partners. Similarly, our local teams have local sponsors that they uh, sell that are uh, receiving exposure in national broadcasts and, and, and other uh, media. And this will allow us to fulfill uh, a portion of that revenue. I don't believe that there'll be much new revenue opportunity here outside of the fact that we have been thinking about investing in unique technologies uh, and we're going to be testing some of those technology, testing some of that technology uh, down in Orlando. Virtual advertising, you'll see a, a very unique way of delivering on, on virtual advertising uh, within our broadcasts. And I also think that there's some great ways to incorporate fans. And uh, I think coming out of, uh, of the pandemic and, and the uh, reconfiguration of, of all of our 2020 seasons, I think there'll be some unique ways that we'll uh, be able to provide uh, you know, our, our, our clubs and certainly the league with ways of looking at new, new revenue utilizing some of this technology. Excellent. Thank you, Ian. Uh, we're going to return to Doug McIntyre. Following Doug McIntyre, we'll have Jabari Young with CNBC, Arch Bell, Avi Creditor with uh, Sports Illustrated, and Sam Steschel with The Athletic. So we're going to go back to Doug McIntyre, who I believe is unmuted now. Are you there, Doug? Sounds like we're still working on Doug. Apparently, Doug has to do it on his computer. Uh, Nice. Doug, we ha we can hear you. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, not sure what happened there, but uh, thanks for doing this, Don. Appreciate it. Just wanted to follow up on Jeff's question. Um, I'm just curious how non-MLS staff, servers, bus drivers, the folks that clean rooms are not going to be coming into contact with players. I I'm not sure how that works exactly. And how concerned are you about the spiking cases in the Orlando area just in these last couple days? Well, again, uh, the contact, there's a difference between contact and there's a difference with, between being in the vicinity. I don't think a, uh, a bus driver is going to be in close contact with somebody walking on the bus, for example. So somebody cleaning their room uh, is not necessarily going to be in close contact with, uh, with the player. The players are going to be in close contact with each other, and that's why they're going to be tested as frequently as they are. And any staff that is in close contact with them, the coaches, uh, that will be uh, involved and et cetera, et cetera. So they're, they're, it's just a different procedure. Uh, and and uh, I don't know how to describe it uh, any other way. Uh, you know, we are obviously 
uh, like everybody, uh, monitoring what goes on, what has been going on with uh, with COVID in every state, including in Florida, and the number of cases in Florida uh, have been uh, less than in many, many other places. So we're confident that uh, we'll be able to manage uh, our tournament, which is isolated from the public. Uh, and uh, again, the public is not going to have contact with them without uh, uh, wearing PPE, face masks, and the like. Uh, so it's not as if the uh, the tournament will be open to the public. There won't be any uh, uh, guests uh, in the uh, environment where we're going to be. Uh, so it's something that we are confident we'll be able to manage. All right, moving along, we're going to go to the next question, which is Jabari Young with CNBC. Jabari? How are you, sir? I hope you're doing well during this uh, time. Thank you. Uh, um, how can this? How can the MLS allow this to translate uh, into a higher valuation of maybe media rights? You know, using this format, using the excitement around it. As you said a lot of technology will be added, hopefully to improve the presentation of the media rights package or whatever. Uh, but can they? Can you guys use this moment to, to help increase that? Because that negotiation is coming back. Uh, you know, within a year or two. I believe so, Jabari. I mean, it starts by getting back, right? We'll be uh, playing games before uh, many other leagues will in this in this country, uh, albeit not by as much as we had previously hoped. Uh, and very importantly, we wanted to, to continue the momentum that we have and continue our relationship uh, with our fans who translate into viewers. Uh, that uh, is combined with the fact that we've had a very, very engaging level of discourse with our national media partners, all who are challenged to put live sports on the air. Uh, and I, I think that relationship has been built during this process. It's been complicated. Uh, and it's certainly been one that has been difficult for all. Uh, so getting back, getting back in a new format, getting our fans engaged, uh, getting some momentum back into the league is something that I'm sure uh, will continue to you know, help what I was convinced and remain convinced, which is an increasingly valuable uh, media property. And we'll take that to market after the 22 season. All right. Thank you, Jabari. Our next question will go to Arch Bell. Arch. Thank you, Dan. Hi, Commissioner. I appreciate your time. My question is regarding the, the league's reigning MVP, Carlos Vela. Uh, last week, it was still uncertain whether uh, the, the Los Angeles FC striker would be able to participate in this tournament. I'm just curious to know if the league's received any confirmation whether uh, the, Vela will be able to, to play in this tournament next month. Well, it's really, it's really not whether he's able to play. He is able to play. Right? The question is, how do we deal with a, uh, a handful of players uh, that have uh, a series of issues that we are continuing uh, to work through our clubs to manage? Uh, clearly, any player that has a medical issue, and then to, to your point, Arch, would not uh, be able to play for medical reasons, certainly is not going to be required in any way to play. And by the way, that that also uh, would exist for any staff people that uh, are in a vulnerable group or have pre-existing uh, conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we are working with our teams to manage through those players that do have special situations in the case of Carlos. Uh, his wife's pregnant. We have other players that have uh, wives that are expecting. We have other special situations that we're managing through. And between now and the start of the tournament, uh, we and our clubs uh, will work with our 
our players to ensure that we could find the right way to manage through those issues. All right. Our next question, we will go to Avi Creditor with Sports Illustrated. Avi? Hey, Don. Uh, thanks again for uh, doing this. Two questions for you. First, uh, we saw the leak statement on the national anthem in response to everything that's been going on. Um, but I was curious if the anthem will actually be played uh, at any of these games in Orlando, given that there are no fans and that lining up as teams might not exactly be social distancing friendly. Um, and second, uh, just given the overlap between the NBA and MLS in Orlando, I was just curious if there's been any discussion with Adam Silver or any NBA officials about players from each league attending each other's games um, while everyone's there. So on the first one, Avi, it was interesting. You know, I'm sure you know, and those who follow our league closely, that statement was issued in 2017. Uh, that was not a new statement, even though I've done a couple of interviews this morning and and it was released uh, or, or perceived as a brand new statement. It was just the restating literally of what uh, we announced in 17 uh, when this issue really came uh, to light throughout the pro sports world. Uh, and we were asked by a reporter, what's our position? And, and, and then we just reissued what we said several years ago. Uh, we won't be playing the anthem and, and, and you hit it on the head. There's not going to be any fans in uh, the stands. Uh, so uh, we didn't see that it would be appropriate. Uh, and I feel today no different than I felt then, uh, which is uh, if a player uh, is looking to express their right uh, to kneel during the national anthem, they should have the right to do so. I would hope that they would stand, but if they opt not to, then that's their prerogative and we will support that. Uh, as it relates to the NBA, there's been a lot of discussion underneath the commissioner level. I think both Adam and I have been incredibly busy doing the things that commissioners need to do uh, in addition to just uh, create our return to play plan. But uh, there has been discussion on, uh, on the levels of on medical and communications and the like between the two leagues. Uh, and we have not had any discussions about attending each other's games. Uh, frankly, uh, it's not something that we've thought about yet. Uh, and if we're able to manage it in a safe way, I think it would be uh, awesome. I think it speaks to the kinds of things that we're looking to do uh, to keep our players engaged and to provide them with uh, opportunities to uh, keep themselves uh, excited and busy uh, when they're not playing. You know, games will be at 9 o'clock and then not, then not again until later in the evening. So obviously there's multiple fitness opportunities, there's uh, multiple pools, there's restaurants, there's things we're working with Disney on uh, to utilize, uh, whether it be golf courses and uh, all sorts of things like that. There will be a significant amount of player uh, uh, engaged activities that uh, our group is now uh, working with Disney on. Um, and, and, and clearly, uh, I'm sure the NBA is doing the same thing. All right. Thank you, Avi. Uh, we're going to go to Sam Steschel next. After Sam, we'll have Jerry, Jeremy Filosa. Uh, from Montreal, Doug Roberson in Atlanta, Michelle Kaufman with the Miami Herald, Paul Kennedy, Soccer America, Ryan Tomich with Goal.com, and Jonathan Tannenwald with the Philadelphia Inquirer. So we will go to Sam Steschko with The Athletic for our next question. Sam? Don, thanks so much for doing this. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I'm curious what the status um, of, I guess, buy-in or um, what the status of, of things are with referees. Um, obviously, some of them have full-time jobs outside of refereeing, um, so I'm wondering if everything is squared away on the officiating front, and uh, also if you guys will have full VAR capabilities um, for these matches in Orlando. You know, it's a good question, 
uh, Sam, on, on Pro. Obviously, Pro is in the loop and has been part of this process. Uh, I can't share with you the specifics of that. That's probably something that Mark or Todd uh, can handle with you offline after the call. Uh, but clearly, you know, we have reached an agreement with, uh, with Pro officials and with Howard uh, to have them, uh, you know, be a uh, participant in, uh, in uh, the tournament. Uh, we are not going to utilize uh, VAR, but VAR will be available. Uh, and uh, I think between now and the start of the tournament, uh, we're going to figure out whether or not it's utilized for some games uh, uh, or whether or not it's just used for you know the latter part of the tournament. It's a big question. It's just not finalized yet. Thank you, Sam. Our next question, we will go to Jeremy Filosa. Jeremy? Bonjour, Commissioner Garber from Montreal, Quebec. Uh, thanks again for taking the time. Very much appreciated. Two quick questions. Uh, do you expect radio broadcast crews uh, as ourselves to be able to travel there and call the games on site, or will we probably be working off tube from our local cities? And second question, what can you tell MLS soccer fans uh, whose teams are involved in the Champions League this year and still really have no idea on you know what's possibly going to happen with that? now that we know that the winner of this tournament will get Champions League uh, uh, credentials for 2021. Thank you. On the first one, uh, I, I would imagine it will be called off-monitor as opposed to uh, their live for a wide variety of, of reasons, uh, not the least of which is uh, that those radio crews would uh, not be able to come in and out of uh, the proverbial bubble. Uh, as it relates to the ongoing Champions League, uh, I don't think the uh, the issue here is going to affect that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to take us into halftime. So I'm going to pass it over to Doge. Doge, where can we find the Clubhouse-specific stuff? You can find us on Facebook at The Clubhouse. And if you slide over to Twitter and Instagram, we've got the same handle there on each platform. You have Clubhouse underscore TCSN for the Cheap Seats Network. Go ahead and give us a follow, like, subscribe, all the above. We'll be pushing out content for this episode, episodes to come. Oh, yeah. Bill, you're on, brother. Where can we find the Cheap Seats Network stuff? Speaking okay. of, before I get into this, let's, let's get into it. I might have a little potential news. We're working on adding um, a new podcast to the Cheap Seats Network called The Midnight Snack, featuring Jack O'Brien. So uh, check that out on all your uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, other podcast outlets. So now, Dill, where can we find the Midnight Snack sooner than later? Obviously, the Clubhouse and then the Pick and Roll Report on the Cheap Seats Network. So the great thing about this is because it's, uh, it's the all-inclusive network called the Cheap Seats Network. So it's, it's pretty simple. On Facebook, on the old FB, the blue and white. The Cheap Seats Network, okay? Now, this is where it gets really tricky on Twitter, baby, okay? At The Cheap Seats SN, okay? Do we have any ideas as far as kind of what SN stands for this week or this episode? 62. No hints were given, by the way. Soccer, yeah, no, there were no hints this time. Soccer news. Okay. Doge, are there any honorable mentions from the land of the Cleve? 
That was literally what I was going to say. It's such a soccer podcast. I'll go soccer network. I don't know. We already have network. <laughs> I was literally going to say the soccer Chiefs dude, network, but... sour. <laughs> sour network. Soccer network. Sour. Okay. So SM. Sam. Oh, SM. Have a little bit of an accent. Sam. Stands for. Yeah. Superlative Namastes. Are we doing yoga? Namastes? Yes. So the chief seats. I need to start going with my second guess, dude, every time. Yeah. No, I mean, if you asked me (laughs) if I was going to leave the podcast before Laurel got on, I would say Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Okay, so on Twitter, once again, it's at. At the Cheap Seats SN for superlative namastes. Sure. I love the joke. Namaste. I like the joke there, Doge. Thank you. Um, check out our Twitter page, pin tweet. Um, like we said, at the clubhouse underscore TCSN to check out our t-shirt survey, get some merch, support us. We've got some good stuff in the works, and uh, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could help us out with that. Uh, now we're going to move on here to our second half with special guest, Laurel Baylor. Today we are joined by a name everyone should recognize if you're an FC Cincinnati fan. She's been covering the team for the last four years. Go check out her article about the MLS's back tournament in Orlando on SpringfieldNewsSun.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Laurel Faylor to the clubhouse. Laurel, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm... Impressed that you got my name right because usually I get all kinds of variations of failure. So great job! Right, yeah, thank you. I uh, had to do my research, of course, but we follow you on all uh, social media because you got great FC Cincinnati stuff, which is why we brought you here. First thing we want to ask you is, what do you think about the MLS's format here with kind of a World Cup style starting on July eighth? I actually, you know, at first I wasn't really all that excited about it. No, I'm not going to even get to go cover it. They're going to have limited media, and really you're not going to have any access down there. So uh, I wasn't all that excited about it, but then when I was kind of seeing the groups come together and, and really like seeing the prizes that could come out of it, you know, Champions League spot next year, um, I, I think it's actually really exciting for the fans and a great way to, to get back into the sport after being off for – what will be four months by the time it, it starts. So I think it's it's great for for soccer to, to get back right. in this country and um it should be interesting to see how it goes and you know it's a big uh incentive for teams like SC Cincinnati that, you know, aren't expected to do much in the regular season. Who knows what could happen in this tournament, so I, I think it's good. No doubt, no doubt. There's definitely some big prizes. Um, the prize alone to get into the uh, the, the Champions League CONCACAF is great, but then uh, the prize money as well is going to be huge with all the games and revenue we might lose, so um, definitely some big prizes there. What do you think FCC has to do here against Atlanta, against Columbus, and the Red Bulls in their group to have a successful tournament in your eyes? Well, I mean... And the two games that they did play this season, we right. saw what the issue is, and it was the issue last year, uh, defense. And, you know, they did improve. They did improve the defense, I think, with, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they added some depth back there. And now they have a defensive-minded coach who, unfortunately, they won't have a lot of time with before these games start. But 
but Yap Sparrow coming in, um, I think that he is really going to at least improve the defense. I mean, it has to improve somewhat, I think, under him. He's, sure. He's, gonna, he's not going to put up with right. the <laughs> defense playing. They were, just, they were just leaking goals. Um, we have about five goals against. They've already played New York Red Bulls and Atlanta. Those were their two losses. Um, so I think that's what they're going to have to fix. Um, they've always struggled against New York Red Bulls and that mm-hmm. high press. So they've got to figure that out. And the big issue, really, that we saw in those two games and even in the preseason even though we didn't actually get to see the preseason from what we read and I could right. tell from interviewing players and coaches. Uh, it's just that they didn't have the spacing down on defense, and there just okay. wasn't the connection between the defense and the midfield. I think they still had some things to figure out with their defensive midfielder, um, Harris Medujanin, uh, he's a great, um, he's great connecting the midfield with the attack but not so much on the defensive end of that. So I think they just have to make some tweaks there. And uh, you don't know what to expect with Atlanta with uh, Mar- uh, Joseph Martinez being out, right. uh, how they're, they're going to be adjusted to that after all this time. Who knows? Um, but, and then Columbus crew just being a rival uh, that can always, you know, go either way so yeah there's certainly going to be some there's certainly going to be some high energy games there's no doubt and like you said we've all seen a couple of these teams before and with it being the hell is real derby you know that's always going to be something we're playing hard for but uh you kind of mentioned it there what was going to be our next question is uh do you know if Yapstam is going to be down with the team in Orlando I know you wrote about that recently but I'm not sure if there's been any any developments on that uh the latest that I got well it really was a no update. Okay. <laughs> so, um, their, so their uh, general manager, Gerard Nijkamp, um, just arrived from the Netherlands late Wednesday night. And so when I was asking about him, I said, well, what about Yap Stam and his new assistant, um, I think it's Saeed Bakati. I might be saying that wrong. But right. um, they were both supposed to be, we all thought they were all coming together from the Netherlands. But it seems as though maybe he's still working on his government clearance um, or even his work visa. Uh, it does sound like they expect him to be arriving by the time they're going to Florida, which we haven't heard if FC Cincinnati plans to stay here and train. I think I think most teams probably will if they can train in their home okay. markets. Probably will stay right as long probably. As they can. Um, so the uh, players can be with their families as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and FC Cincinnati did get clearance to start full tra- team training here. So it does seem like they're going to stay here and hopefully Yap can come within the next week or so and and they can get started uh, working under him. Yeah, no, that'd be super great. You know, the more time we can get with him um, would be great. And I know he mentioned it recently. I'm not sure uh... – where I saw this, but he said that he would really love to be with the team just because they're all going to be forced to be together for so long. So hopefully we can get him down there to start making an impact on the team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that he did make that comment that, you know, when we were asking him, what do you think of this idea of going to Florida? He's like, well, it's actually great for me because, you know, we're all going to be in that environment together. You know, we're not going to be going out and leaving home, going to our own homes and so it's a great time for bonding and for them to get to know him. And that's going to be important with them coming in this late in the game. Totally. 
Um, all right, Doge, I think you've got a question all the way up from Cleveland there, so uh, I'll pass it off to you here real quick. Absolutely. So, uh, obviously, one of the guys that was providing a bit of a spark kind of in those first two games, uh, you know, obviously coming off the bench early on, but um, Locadia, I saw that they were saying the, you know, the Lonies will be coming out, allowed to come back in the restart. Uh, what can we really expect from him in, in the traveling down to Orlando? You know, are we going to see that same type of spark and, and production from him? Or uh, what do you really expect from Locadia moving forward with the team? There's actually so many questions surrounding him right now because although Brighton has said that they will allow their players to stay on loan, his loan actually is set to expire July 5th. So oh, okay. they are working on trying to – they do have a the option to buy, um, but it seems like FC Cincinnati is trying to negotiate the $10 million fee that they had attached to that. So uh, okay. I, I think that Brighton obviously is going to want to – try to keep as much of that money as they as much of that money as they can. But FC Cincinnati, I think they're kind of in the boat of, you know, we thought we would have all this time to have seen him mm-hmm. and make sure because I I think that Gerard Nykamp really wants to keep him, but he has to convince the ownership that this money is worth the investment. For sure. And although we did see I mean he already just watching him, even just getting the opportunities that he did in those first games and scoring his first goal um he did probably more in the eyes of fans than fernando uh fernando adi did oh yeah the whole time with fc cincinnati so (laughs) you know he was obviously unlimited by injuries and everything right a little bit of drama there but um i mean i think the fans were just excited to see locadia's movement and just how active he was in the attack and FC Cincinnati cannot afford to lose that. So I think they're going to, I think they see that and they're going to do everything they can to work it out so he can stay. And uh, whether it's getting Brighton to agree to extending the loan a little bit longer um, or just going on and buying that contract that it seemed like they were planning on doing it in the first place. So um, I do, I think that the other thing is that people are kind of wondering if he's been at. He hasn't been showing up in the team promotions of this tournament. So yeah, I was going to ask like, about that, too. Here. <laughs> um, I did find out he hasn't been training with the team lately, um, but yeah. it seems like they're kind of being cautious with him. I think that they just want to make sure that their star player is not going to come back and, and get injured right away after all this time off. So mm-hmm. I think they're taking it slowly with him. They said he is working with the team trainers. Um, and, and I oh, cool. do think there is like a he's trying to get his girlfriend moved over here so I think there's some other like personal things that he's taking care of um, so I mean if that's happening then you want to you assume he's going to be here for the tournament awesome well that's that's great news I know there I was going to ask about the promotion and uh, you know there's a lot of rumors going around so that's that's good to hear and hopefully they can get that done and figure that out but uh, are there any other uh rumors about the new transfer window um, that they're talking about and what FC Cincinnati might be doing now that they have Yopstam? Like, is there going to be a different style of uh, play they might look for or a different style of player? Uh, I mean, there's been all kinds of rumors. We haven't really gotten enough out of – we haven't – we've gotten to talk to Yop uh, one time, basically. Right, Um, okay. The day, you know, the day after he was hired, we we did a conference call with him. But um, I've been working to range – another interview and uh i guess 
he's kind of tied up just trying to get here right now. So uh, it will be interesting to hear a little bit more on, because he, he does see talent in the team, but it does sound like he has his idea of how he can improve things already. So uh, I'm sure he is going to have um, his say and what kind of players they go after. And it'll be interesting to see what she sees as the, the big needs. So, mm-hmm. you know, they really did address the attack in the offseason, mm-hmm. uh, rebuilding this roster. Um, they just need to add some depth wherever they can at this point. So, Definitely. The more talent, the better. Why not? Yeah. Hey, Laurel, this is uh, Dylan here. I just had a kind of another question as far as, like, in general soccer terms, not necessarily FCC, um, but as far as, like, which teams are going to benefit the most from this break that um, they've had in the season? Are, are you noticing maybe something that FCC, because they needed a little bit of a reset, do you think that might be something that could benefit them? Or what kind of teams do you think are going to benefit the most um, from this break in play? That's a good question. And it's really hard to, I mean, anyone that had any major injuries, you know, would benefit from that. FC Cincinnati wasn't really dealing with that so much as just they needed to figure out. I mean, they had a coaching, Ron Yon's uh, resigning and all that, that happened 12 days before the start of the season. I think that they just went into the, into those first two games, just lost. You know, they sure. mm-hmm. were working, they, they respect Yohan Dama, who is um, serving as interim coach. And they've done that before last year when Alan Koch was fired, but, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when that happened, when you have that kind of a shakeup that close to the start of the season, and there was so much excitement going into, you know, they felt a lot better about their roster, and they finally had these attacking pieces that, you know, I think they were also thinking that was going to help the defense just take some of the pressure off the defense if, we're, if the team's scoring goals, uh, which they were thinking they would see an improvement. You know, they did at least score goals in their first two games, so. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, just for them to kind of have that reset, look back at, uh, you know, what were the problems with those first couple games? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure they've been on calls with Yop Stam, at least, trying to get his ideas on what they could have done better. And they did use that time off to really evaluate individually and just, I think, by position and just team as, as a team. So uh, I think that's going to help them. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say, though, what it's going to actually look like down in Florida when, you know, you have all, have had all this time off and they're not going to have preseason games to get back into to gear. Um, but I guess they're going to have to do some inner squads or I don't know if they'll be allowed to do any, like, closed-door scrimmages down there before they start. But um, right. it's kind of a tough way to – to get back to it without practice games. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Certainly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that the games are going to be pretty competitive across the board just because everyone has had this delay. Um, and it's going to kind of help close the gap maybe between the teams who are really starting to gel and a team like FCC who um, did have that departure uh, with Runyon's right before the season. So, um you know, I'm hoping, obviously, that something the FCC can come out, you know, on top of uh, from their group play and stuff. But it's going to be difficult for them to kind of get back into the swing of things with a new coach and hopefully uh, 
you know, some new personnel if, if they can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you do also wonder, like, the teams that were off to a great start, maybe maybe they are more equal now on equal playing field to a team like FC Cincinnati that mm-hmm. wasn't off to such a great start. Right. So it, yeah. I mean, the time off definitely, I think, throws a wrench in it for everybody. Are you hearing um, if there are any players, kind of like I know there's uh, some talk about Carlos Vela and Jordan Morris not uh, attending. You know, Vela's wife is uh, about to give birth, and Jordan Morris has, uh, I believe, an autoimmune uh, deficiency. Is there anyone on FC Cincinnati who might not be with the team down in Orlando for a reason similar to that? Uh, I don't know of any health issues that would be a concern. Um, I am supposed to talk with their GM next week, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask. But the only one I would actually wonder about is Harris and I'm never going to say his name right. Uh, his wife is pregnant, and I'm not sure the latest on them, but she was in Israel. Um, oh, wow. I think she's due in the beginning of August. So I don't, I don't know if that's if if that's going to cause him to. I don't know if she was able to come over here. It seemed like she was stuck over there, and I don't. I'm guessing he's probably going to want to be with her over there if, if that's right. where she is. And I'm guessing at this point she wouldn't be able to to fly over uh this late in her pregnancy so that's the only one i would wonder about okay. i have seen him still in photos of training so he's at least still working toward playing but i don't know an update on him specifically or anyone else but that's the only one that comes to mind that i would be okay thinking might not that would be that would definitely be a big loss i know he's uh like you kind of mentioned he's really good at creating the attack for us you know but if He's got to do what he's got to do, of course, you know, little little baby on the way. All right, so let's move on to a little game with you. It's called the uh, the Wheel of Debate. So we've got this little, uh, we're working on making the physical wheel, but uh, we've got this little wheel online with a bunch of uh, topics that are, you know, FC Cincinnati and Cincinnati related. And uh, we'll spin the wheel maybe once or twice here and uh, see what everybody's thoughts are on the topic. So without further ado, our FC Cincinnati Wheel of Debate, let's give it a spin. All right. Oh, perfect one to start it off with. Skyline, Gold Star, or neither? Which one are you, Laurel? I have to say Skyline for sure. I also cover the Bengals, and so I'm forced to eat Gold Star. Well, right. I'm forced to, but it's the halftime meal all the time at Bengals games. And I just always think all the visiting media – that's their like they always hear about Skyline and they I think they think that gold what they're eating is Skyline and I'm always disappointed for them that they're not getting the real stuff. The huh. real stuff. So that is interesting. what's like the key differentiator between the two? Like what really sets Skyline apart for you? Um just... I, I think it's almost a like sweeter taste maybe. I don't, mm-hmm. yep. I don't know. I, I feel like Gold Star has more of a hearty like I don't know. It just doesn't. It's not as good. <laughs> so it's the actual. It's the actual yes, chili itself, though, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. We're all Skyline guys too, so we're we're, we're glad to hear it. We we like to hear that. All right. Let's do uh. Let's do one more here. That a little more of a debate then, since we're all agreeing there. Yeah, it was a clean sweep. Not much of a debate. Oh, this one. This one will be interesting. Um, not necessarily FC Cincinnati related, but uh. Who do you think uh, will win the golden boot of the MLS's back tournament if they're going to give out 
an award like that? Ooh. I know that's a tough one. Well, I'm gonna say Jurgen Lacadia. Oh, I love to hear it. I love it. I was hoping to hear that name. I mean, I think if he plays, then I think he's just something special that I think that the league's gonna be surprised uh, that that quality of a player is coming out of FC Cincinnati. But I, so I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go with him. I'll, I'll go with the FCC guy. I love to hear that. I would say if it's not going to be one of our guys, and if it is, I would definitely go with him. I would think um, the two guys I mentioned who might not be in the tournament, uh, Carlos Vela, uh, who I think has uh, less of a chance of playing than Jordan Morris, because I know uh, the commissioner said it would be up to the personal, you know, their personal staffs if they can play. So I think Jordan Morris might be more likely to play. So I think I'll go Jordan Morris from Seattle if he does play. I think he's got um, a lot of goals in him. Oh, go ahead. I mean, that's been pretty widely known that it, it seems like he didn't want to play. And mm-hmm. I don't think they could force him to. Right. Well, I mean, they can, but. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, do you really want to do that to Carlos Vela? No, I'm not. you don't want to do that. You don't want because then he might leave the whole, the league or the team. So I, I don't I don't expect to see him playing unless something drastic happens. But uh, Doge, what do you think? I mean, maybe a little bit of bias showing. But I think I'm gonna have to go with Laurel on this one. If Lacadia goes out there and plays, I love it. Like you, you saw the opportunities he was able to get just in the the little bit of soccer we got to see at the beginning of the year. If we get him out there, he's gonna be a lot of our offensive production. You know, hoping that we make some sort of run out of the group stage and into the the knockout rounds. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta imagine he's gonna be netting some goals for us if he's out there. So I'll have to be a little bit biased, but I'm gonna have to go with Lacadia as well. I like it. Dill, are you, you going biased here as well, or are you, you mixing it up with a different answer? All right, so I am, but in for, for two reasons. One, oh. I'm a firm believer that we actually can get out of the group stage, which will give him a better chance to play more games and more goals and get that uh, golden boot. Sure. But also, um, just because you know he's also a DJ, and I think that he's just got some hype around him. He, has, you know? he does have some good music. <laughs> All right, let's do one more here before we uh, we send Laurel on her way. She's uh, been with us for long enough. We really appreciate it. So last spin here, what do we have? Oh, same question. we got to spin it again. Really <laughs> wants to know who's going to win that gold boot. Seriously. <laughs> sure. Third time's the charm. Okay, perfect. Um, this is a great one to end on. What is your favorite FC Cincinnati goal? Or moment uh, that you've covered? Oh, man. I, I mean, I've covered the team from the beginning. There's some some, gold, some good goals in the USL days, too. And, right. Uh, oh, let's see. Yeah, yeah they all, all run together, and I feel like I haven't watched soccer in forever. <laughs> let's see. Let me think. Um, let's see. If you want a second to think, I... I know one off Dill's the top got of my his. Head. Okay, go ahead. Dill. I've got mine lined up. So it was my first time ever attending a game uh, down in Nippert or any professional soccer game. Uh, period. Back when it was, I believe, the Lamar Hunt Cup, uh, right? Yeah. When they had yeah. the uh, the the what was it the penalty shootout against the Chicago Fire? Yeah. And we beat them as a USL team, uh, beating the MLS team. Just that whole game was sweet. Um, especially once we were able to finally um, 
win in, in uh, PKs. I think that was just one of the one of the best times. Being that it was my first experience as well, it couldn't have gone any better. Um, it was a great match. Yeah, that was going to be probably mine. I'll think of another one now while you guys go. But that was such I'm an awesome moment. Um, just being in the stands for that against Schweinsteiger, you know, his first year in the league, it was really hype for that. And then, like you mentioned, just beating the MLS team. So, Doge, I know, uh, Laurel, do you have yours before we maybe go to Doge? Uh, I mean, that would definitely be, well, from a writing standpoint, that was like a nightmare. Just, <laughs> you, you can't really write much when that's happening. But, uh, right. yeah, that, I mean, that was definitely, I think, probably – anyone other than i mean i know people were excited to finally get that first playoff win uh, mm-hmm. in 2018 but yeah the i think that open cup run was just magical and that that game for sure was would i mean that'd be the top game for sure i was thinking more what was my favorite goal and that's that's tough too does you got yours then goal, yeah my favorite goal was uh and that open cup run to to start when we first played the columbus crew and it was the only goal of the match, but uh, GB Fall heading it in and taking the lead GB. over Columbus yeah, was uh, was pretty sweet. And uh, I mean, the the crowd was absolutely electric. And as soon as that goal went in, I mean, the if there was a roof on Nippert, it would have been blown off. So I mean, it was really exciting uh, to see us take the lead and show that we could we could play and hold our own against an MLS team. And obviously, you know, we saw what came from that afterwards. But that was that was electric. I loved that goal. Absolutely, man. These are all great moments. Um, if I got to pull one out of not out of nowhere, because this is probably my second favorite moment. I think the Alan Cruz back heel uh, was probably my favorite goal, um, where he just got that and tapped that in. That was just a great moment and really, uh, really creative from him. And you know, him kind of growing into the guy that he is with uh, being one of the leading scorers on our team, even though he plays in the midfield. So that was one of my favorite moments as well. Oh yeah. Any other uh, honorable mentions, Laurel, or other great uh, moments? Maybe not your favorite, but your top couple. Um, I was thinking of Kenny Walker's uh, midfield oh, yeah. strike. I, yes. I can't remember who, it was a road game. Um, but, yeah, that wonder goal was just, I mean, that was amazing. I'm working at pra- like I saw him working at practice all the time where he was just trying to hit the crossbar. Like, he worked, he was working so hard on just – distance and hitting the spots that he wanted so he would have this little game with himself like where he'd just go from a distance and try to hit the crossbar every time like or hit, hit, it was like i'll hit the crossbar and then i'll hit the two side posts and Jeez. so he, he's always working on right like that and then to see him score that goal from midfield was pretty cool yeah that's awesome to see it translate to a game i remember uh just growing up when we were playing soccer we would do that for fun and try to play crossbar you know right um, I think the Bertoni one as well, for, we're looking at away games. That was a great moment to be, um, you know, watching with some friends at that first goal in the MLS. That was an awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things were looking up right then. <laughs> <laughs> for that short moment. Right. Brief, very brief moment. But, uh, well, Laurel, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Is there anything that you would like to plug or promote here at the end um, since you've just been such a great guest and we want to promote your stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a little complicated because I'm a freelancer and I write for a bunch of different places. Right. My work kind of shows up all over. Uh, but, you know, I also write for WCPO.com. That's mm-hmm. actually where most of my FC Cincinnati coverage is these days. So 
Um, and you can find me on Twitter. It just it's at my name, so it's Laurel L A U R E L Failer P as in Paul F as in Frank A H L E R. So at Laurel Failer on Twitter, and yeah, give me a follow and. Um, I, I answer questions when, when people send me stuff, I try to always respond. So feel free to send any questions my way anytime. Awesome. Well, we'd love to have you back on at some point. Maybe we'll check in uh mid tournament or something or, uh, after a couple games. But, uh, like we said, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, everyone, please go check out her stuff. It's really great stuff and she's got good FCC content. So we really appreciate it. Have a great one, Laurel. Thank you for having me. Nice talking with you guys. Thanks, you too. Laurel. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Laurel, once again. Great stuff. All right, now we're going to move on here <laughs> to our buzzer beaters at the end of the show. You know, we like to always end it here. So I'll go first. Um, I've got a good one. I'm ready to get it off my chest. Uh, the jersey I'm rocking today in honor of the soccer pod we have, little uh, FC Cincinnati parlay. You you know it. You love it. It's one of the best jerseys I've got. Uh but my buzzer beater has to do with the NBA. And holy Nikola Jokic. I mean, the dude went from being my size to Doja's size during the coronavirus break. Like, he is ridiculous. He was bigger than Kevin Love, and now he's thinner than Kevin Love when Kevin Love had his, you know, glow up or trim down, whatever you want to call it, when he's with the Cavs. Um, I'm super excited to see him play. I think this is really going to add to his game. Uh, he might not be as strong, but I think he's going to be quick, and that can be reassured by Jamal Murray, who's quoted as saying, it's kind of weird seeing him like this. He's a lot quicker and a lot more athletic. And if there's any more perfect words on how to put what he looks like, Mike Malone said it best, as he is a lean, mean, Serbian fighting machine. So I'm really looking forward to Jokic in this tournament. And if you haven't seen the photo, please just Google it, Nikola Jokic. And you will not believe that he's like as thin as Kristaps Porzingis. It's crazy. Like, absolutely nuts. If they didn't have a different nose, you'd think it was him. Uh-huh. Yeah, like if they didn't have more than one photo and it was like they have a video of it, so it's like, okay, yeah, that's definitely him. But if it was just some photo, you'd be like, ah, I don't know. Like, that's probably It's a toss-up. Uh, Doge, we'll pass it to you. Where's your buzzer beater? Where would you like it as well? So give me a little... Where I like it, left side of the free throw. Just a quick little jab, pull up. Oh. You like it? Pardon jab, step um, back. Very relevant in, in today's news. Uh, you know, the possibility of Colin Kaepernick re-entering the NFL uh, was was reported on Yahoo Sports uh, that the Seahawks have potentially shown some interest. Sure. Uh, Pete Carroll came out and said, you know. He regrets not signing them up, signing him after they had met with him in 2017. Uh, but his reasoning for that was that they saw Kaepernick still as a starting quarterback talent. They had already had that slot filled with Russell Wilson. Um, but said that there's been some interest and some calls back and forth. The possibility of him re-entering the league uh, is maybe a bit more than the publicity stunt that we kind of got from the NFL last year in 2019, especially after the statements that Roger Goodell had. You know, more supporting Kaepernick and the Black Lives Matter movement. So, right. I would love to see him back in and playing personally. Uh, I think he's deserved it. And, you know, his his grievances with the league and his early exit from the league, you know, unfortunate. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's back and, and playing in the NFL because I think he deserves it. 
Certainly. I hope Pete Carroll means what he says, too. Like, you know, I think, like, a lot of teams have come out before and been like, oh, we'd love to have Kaepernick, but we right. but we can't. We've got blah, blah, blah. So, right. you know, so I'm sure maybe he'll say the same thing, but I, I hope somebody does give him a chance because that would be pretty cool. I mean, there's definitely some starting quarterbacks that played last year that <laughs> no if we doubt. had Colin Kaepernick in decent shape, like, he would blow them out of the water. So, who knows? We'll see. I know he hasn't played in a while, so hopefully he's still got it. I, I, I would think so. But who knows? That's it's been a minute. I mean, his agent came out and said that Kaepernick said that he he felt like he was in the best shape of his life. But I mean, what no. agent would say he's like he's like he's not. Oh, I was he's gonna say like he's not gonna say the other one. He's right. his agent. He's not, gonna, you know? he's not gonna be downplaying his own guy. Yeah, he's there to sell. He's in great shape. That he can make it. I hope so. That'd be cool. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, if so, would know that's gonna be just that much of a greater story. So. Hopefully he'll get to play wherever he goes too, instead of just being the backup. Like, yeah, if like, he goes to right. Seattle, he's not gonna get to play really. Let's Hopefully say. it's not. Yeah. Hopefully it's not just signed just to sign him and then have him right there. Right. Kind of like a not. I don't want to do that. Like Tebow That'll kind of like. Where teams just kind of signed him. Like you know. I hope it's not like that. Like oh, like I was saying, he gets an actual chance to play. He's gonna get signed again. Like I don't think this has any steam any uh, you know any pace, but as far as like uh, maybe Mark Jackson and Colin Kaepernick running some sort of. You know, dual don't system. Be, don't be moving up on my boy RG Knee like that. He's got a spot in that backup system. Like yeah, they could run three quarterbacks on one play. Just a triple. Dude, when you have Lamar Jackson, you don't need to run three quarterbacks. It's a triple, triple, triple option, but Lamar keeps it for sure. He just fakes it a bunch of times. Right. And he goes. You've got nine options. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can hand it off to everyone on the team. <laughs> uh, hopefully, dude, that'd be sweet. That's good. Good reporting there, Dozier. I didn't hear that. So good yeah. stuff. Big deal. End out the show. Buzzer beater. Where do you want it? Yeah. The, you got it. The true game winner. Clock's ticking. This has to do with the, the real game winner, Jameis Winston. Uh, one of one. Jameis one of one. Yeah. You know, Big eat, eating dubs. So this is a quote that he came out and said earlier this week of, I know what I'm worth. And then goes on to say, and I know day in and day out without publicly coming in and saying it, which is hilarious because he's doing that now. Right. That historically, I'm one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. <laughs> now, if he had an asterisk as far as like that needed LASIK surgery for five years, something, something, something. But he's, I mean, dude, like, how can you, see, like, I mean, he just looks at the yardage and he's like, dude, I mean, I throw the ball. I'm one of the best. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's not also... like they've had any sort of boy to back them up in the run game his whole career. Like, they just have to throw the ball, especially with the receivers they had. Like, what are we talking about? So, you can't be the best. And sign for a one-year, $1.1 million contract behind Drew Brees. turn it over a total of, I believe, 47 times. You just yeah. can't. I mean, he's... That's like a whole team's worth of turnovers, if not. like For like a season. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> granted, MVP, I think he threw four or six interceptions. So multiply that by five and that's what Jameis threw thirty. Like get out of here. I think he would yeah. I think he had twenty seven. He would have had thirty seven had the DBs not dropped ten of them. This is like Dan Levitard thinking he could take on Daniel. It's absurd. So well Jameis anyway. definitely had thirty interceptions because he was the 30, first 30. 30, 30 I know. But so I think he, it was thirty he would have had forty. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe that's what it is. So he, had, I think there were ten drops by DBs this past season, if I remember correctly. It's been a while, <laughs> so I need to brush up on my 2019 
uh, NFL stats, but I mean, if we're coming out and saying things that people just like aren't coming out to say, because we don't come out and say things. Yeah, like we're one of the best sports podcasts in the nation. But we don't say it publicly. But we don't come out and say it publicly. Why would we? Yeah. No. It's like what the what's the point of a statement like that? It's like it's such a uh, Jameis thing. It's so funny. It's like I'm gonna pump myself up, but like I don't want you guys to think I'm pumping myself. Up. I actually <laughs> I think that he looks good in the uh, swinging the lightsaber. I. I was just going to say... In the Have you seen those clips? No. Pull that up before we go any further. I'm serious. It's like he's got like a mask on. He looks seriously like Luke training like with the droid. He's got like this big helmet on and he's like swings the stick. So he like... It's like his arm like stays straight with the ball or something. It's absurd. Put It's probably not lightsaber. Put like stick training or something. That's, okay. It looks guy. like a lightsaber kind of toy. If you will, and there's another one that he did. It's kind of like the uh, the noodle thing that Gruden did. If you can't find it, I'll show it to you. Oh, you got it. Come on. I mean, I don't know what this. this I mean, this is just is. a leg training. So what is, what is this? This is Jameis 101. We might have to share this clip. God dang, this doesn't look like 101. Maybe it is. Get rid of all these workouts. Come on. Well, either way, I'll find it. Jameis, uh, let's just say, beat the buzzer. Did he? Yeah. He got out just in time. For Tampa Bay, baby. Dude, can you imagine if that was even a conversation? Like, who are we going to put? Get out of here. Who's the starter day one? Tom or... <laughs> Dude, after Aaron is our guy, Tom Astor in his spot. Right. The team has to believe in the quarterback and uh Locker room just isn't with Brady. Yeah. Not not sure if he's proven winner down here. Yeah. They aren't sure if he can do it in the system, South. Yeah, system guy. I got when, it. Bro. When Bruce Arians I got it, bro. uh discussed about you know who we could win with. It's a baseball bat. Dude, I'm gonna show you this after this. This is so freaking funny. What? <laughs> uh, I mean, he doesn't come out and say that he's one of the best in the league. You know, he doesn't do that. So, do you remember when I think it was Dush? Oh, where's the uh, other side? Was it Derek or David Carr who commented on Jameis's uh, workouts? What, what is, is that? What? <laughs> Here, I'll play it again because you only got the first. No, I mean it looks. Ridiculous. He's just like swinging a baseball bat. It's so weird. Is he just going to sidearm every throw now? Just straight into the offensive line's ass? Who knows, man? <laughs> just straight to the defensive line's hands. Yeah, probably. You're right. Well, he, he I guess. The Sa- hey, the Saints defense might be pretty good this year at, at getting picks. Yeah. They have plenty of practice. <laughs> His eyes are fixed, dude. I don't think that has much to do with it. Well, now we can see. The letters on the street signs when he's driving down the road. That's one of his quotes. Anyway, this has been too long of a buzzer beater. Classic Bill. Hey, I... I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. Everyone everyone divulged into how bad you... But, anyway... You can't not talk about a guy swinging a baseball bat for quarterback. Wearing a football helmet. Yeah, that looks ridiculous. (laughs) So, hope you guys enjoyed the pod. Teach? Bill? Doge? Bill? Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is The Clubhouse.